If you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're going to be in 1 John. And oh, I want to keep singing. It's beautiful. And I like violin. It's a nice. Thanks for violin. Ah. First John. You know, we started last week this this letter that John wrote to the church, and mostly last week, starting out with who John was and his age and him being an eyewitness and what that meant for him and for us. He wanted us to see. Because he had something to say and what he was going to say was going to go against the culture and the life and the way that even the church was starting to think. His core theology, you know what he says, hey, what I understand, it may be not what you think, it's the truth. It's a crazy thing. I think that if you're here and you're here with us in this room and you're at this church, a lot of times it seems like, wait a minute. It seems so different than what I hear in a lot of, even even Christianity in our town. So I want to introduce you to somebody to start today. His name is Ignaz Ignaz Semmelweis. You heard of him? He should. Because back in the 1800s, in the mid-1800s, he ran a maternity clinic in Vienna. And what he noticed was he ran two clinics, and in one of the clinics, there were a lot of women getting sick and dying all the time of fever. And and he noticed that it was the clinic where the interns would go, and they would cut up the cadavers first and do autopsies, and then they would come and deliver babies. And he had this wild idea. Maybe they need to wash their hands. Hand washing was not what people did. They just go, and and so he had them wash their hands, and he saw a a dramatic decrease in the number of infections that happened in the maternity ward, and so he started promoting this idea that you should wash your hands with with, with chlorine and water. Now, I think, of course, that's like a no-brainer. Every single surgeon, before I've ever seen them, they scrub their hands for like 10 minutes before you go into the operating room because you don't want infection to happen. But he was ridiculed. Everyone around said, no way. That's not what's going on. He was kicked out of his leadership of the clinic. He was pushed away. In fact, he was put into a mental home as he continued to rail against this. And there he died. A a, a mere 10 years before a man named Pasteur, if you heard of him, came out with the germ theory that said, wait a minute, disease is contagious. He was right. Everyone around him seemed wrong. Sometimes our lives can seem that way as we say, man, we stand on this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ alone. But it sure seems like everybody's going a different way. Maybe I'm a fool. You might be. (laughs) But the way that we get through that and you and I see as we go back to the word of God, we say, what does it actually say? We get our eyes out and we get our glasses on and we say, hey, I don't want to just follow whomever. I want to see what it says. And and so I'm particularly interested in this message from John because he was there and he saw it and he touched Jesus. And so his core message is going to be one I'm very interested in. It's a good thing because we get to look at his core message today. He starts out his letter in the very first paragraph. It's the whole first paragraph of his actual letter we're talking about. We're talking about it today. It's going to influence everything else we see in 1 John. This passage. Buckle in. You you want to see this. This idea of how do we fellowship with God and with each other. There really are two doors. I wanted to make up three because of Price is Right, but I couldn't. There are two doors. 
Door number one, you can go down, or door number two. And I want to present each one because this is called door number two. You, I'm telling you up front which one I want you to go, and I'm even lighting it up with bright lights. But first, I want you to consider with me door number one. How many people think about Christianity and how you fellowship with God and with each other. And it's by this thing I'll call sin avoidance. You could call it sin management. So so in, in this way of thinking for many people who say they're Christians even, is that the purpose of the Christian life is to rid yourself of the evil within you slowly over time. Get rid of your sin. Manage it. Your primary need is personal holiness and, and sin avoidance. And so this sin management is very, very key. And I want you to read this text with those lenses for a moment with me, would you? Here we go. So we're going to look at 1 John. We're starting in verse 5 of chapter 1. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. Now, now remember as we start, remember that he's just spent the whole last week, we looked at it, the first four verses, establishing that he was there, that he was the man, that he touched Jesus. He had his head on his chest. He, he knows it. He says, this is the message. This is it. We proclaim it to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God is light. And and if I'm going to take door number one, which is what we're starting with, then I'm going to say what he's talking about. And and I hope it makes sense to you. It does to me. God is sinless perfection. Is he not? Yes, he is. There's no darkness in him. There's no sin in God. We know this to be true. And so if we take that, we say, okay, then if we have fellowship with God, with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. So so I go, okay, well, I get this. This is a very logical argument that I follow. It says, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, while we are sinning, we lie. And this goes right into how I normally think all the time about Christianity. Man, these people, they say they're Christians, but have you seen what they do? They're not fellowshipping with God. How can you fellowship with God and be a sinner? And actually be sinning, walk in the dark. You're lying. And so, and so this thought comes in. Our fellowship with God is based on our sin state. Right? And then verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Okay, pause there with me for a minute because, because again, I'm walking down this pathway and thinking with you about what it means to have fellowship with God and with you. He says, hey, in this model, if we walk in the light, which means I'm not sinning, God being sinless perfection, which is light, then you and I have fellowship with each other. What's going to break my fellowship with you then? Why, if you sin. Or if I sin, 
This model is one that puts the emphasis, rightly so, if you're listening, this is the message from John, that he says, you got to watch it, because if you sin, you're breaking fellowship with God, and you're breaking fellowship with me, with each other. If the passage stopped here, I would be so with you. I could take all the things I just said and say, this is John's message. Because everything follows logically. I got it. I I can take the steps and they they make sense. God is perfection and watch out for sin and sin breaks fellowship and all of this. And that's my model. And therefore, I'm going to live my life around progressive sanctification. I'm going to live my life about getting more and more holy because that's what's going to make fellowship with you and me. That's nowhere near the end of the passage. But I've put it. <laughs> this is the focus of so much Christian life. I think. I think. This is the focus of how I live my life a lot of the times, or how I even think about other things. I, I think of our dog. You know, I got a two two year old dog. She's kind of still a puppy, but but you know what she does? She she she's a great dog. I love her. I love hanging out with her and snuggling with her, and and then watching her play with the kids. And she bounds around and lick. Oh, she's fantastic. Except for something. When my wife is out on the trails with her, and a bike goes a certain way. It's got to be behind and passes her on the left kind of idea. She just goes crazy. She barks. She's got to get the dog. And we, we everything that my wife said, oh, I don't know if I can take her running because she does that. I can't get her to stop. Idea is, right, is that Man, I'm not going to even think about those other things. I, my relationship with the dog is going to be about stopping her from getting that bicycle. That's kind of this thought, right? Get the stinking sin under control. If we walk in the light, you see, if that's what it is, if I start not sinning as, as he is in the light because he doesn't sin, we have fellowship with one another. That's so sweet. And the sentence goes on, you see, in verse 7, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wait a minute. Do you see the problem I'm starting to run up to when that says? It says, if I don't sin, then I have fellowship and everything's okay. And then the blood of Jesus covers us from real sin. What? I don't need cleansing from sin if I'm not sinning. If what John is saying is when you don't sin, then you have fellowship with God. And then Jesus will cover your sin. He will cleanse you. Well, I don't, that's when I don't need it. I needed Jesus to cleanse me from my sin when I was sinning. Not when I'm walking in the light. Maybe he just means sins I don't really know about. So so keep going, and you see what he's not done. If we say we have no sin, that's present tense. You could say we are having right now, oh Christian. If we say we are having no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh Uh-oh. I said walking in the light was not sinning. 
But now if I say I'm not sinning, I'm lying, deceived, in the darkness. I can't walk in the darkness and have fellowship with God. I can't lie and have fellowship with God. But here I can't say I don't have sin and not be a liar. (laughs) You see the trouble? There's trouble. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. That's great. That's good. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, I need that. And so I, I see that. So I confess and he cleanses me. And then I don't sin anymore. And then I can, and then I can walk in, in light. Except it didn't nullify the sentence before that just says I still have to say I'm having sin. So I confess and he cleanses me and in order to have fellowship, I have to not say, so you know what I do? Every single person I've ever met does. I fake it. I'm a good faker. For the sake of fellowship, I fake it. I act like I really don't sin very much. You know, my behavior's pretty darn squeaky clean and I'll fess up to the speeding bit because that's an easy thing. But, but, but the other stuff, you know, we'll just, this pretty nice rug. I can peel it back. I can. So that I can have fellowship, you know, because I want fellowship. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. You see how John ends this little paragraph with a slam dunk? It's not just that you're a liar. You say you haven't had any sin. You don't, you're not just a liar. You're making him a liar. God. I know one thing. God is not a liar. It's going to tempt me making God a liar or God being a liar. He is not a liar. So why? Because God says you sin. There's this problem in the middle of this way of thinking that won't go away. That's door number one. Yet we choose it over and over and over and over and over and over. We try and get ourselves through this door of me sinning less so that I'll be acceptable to God and so that I'll have fellowship with God because I sin less. And and the whole thing becomes this sin management. That's why I'm calling it sin management. But I, I, I hope you're seeing that I think the whole premise is wrong. I don't know how else to get you through it than to try and show you the Bible. The Bible does not teach sin management as the basis for your fellowship with God. That's huge. Now, or with other people. That's huge too. The Bible says that if your basis for interacting is overcoming sin, then you are in the darkness and, and you're deceived and you make God a liar. Can you get any stronger? And yet we continue to do it. It's almost like, you know, for hundreds of years, you probably know this, for hundreds of years when people were really sick and they had a fever and then, and they had terrible, terrible illness, what they did was they cut a vein and bled their blood out to try and get the evil gone. <laughs> Let's get this evil out of you. <laughs> That's how George Washington died. They bled him because he was sick. Telling people that decreasing sin is their task toward salvation is not just misleading, it's harmful. 
Door number one, it is a dead end. Okay. He said, Dax, I, I see the difficulty in this text. So what is it? What, how, how do we get through it? What is, what is John saying? Ah, will you come with me, please, to door number two? Door number two. We need to think about this again. You need to think about your definitions. You need to think about what you're assuming of the text that you're bringing in. You need to think about what John's message is. If you'll see it, okay, look with me. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The assumption I made for you right away off the text, and you agreed with me, sinless perfection equals light. Because it's true that God has sinless perfection, then we think that's what he must be referring to. God, God, John never, and in fact, of course, says God is holy and pure. But but please see, John is not equating sinlessness and light in this passage. God is light. What does light do? It exposes everything. This is the way often that the Bible uses light. In Ephesians 5, for example, let me stick it on the board for you so you see it. See, look. But when anything's exposed, I know this is Paul, not John, but walk with me. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For indeed, anything that becomes visible is light. You see the idea? The idea is light into darkness makes things light. It exposes everything. When you read in the Bible, for example, when Jesus came in the prophecy of the people in darkness have seen a great light. It's not a reference to, to sinless perfection, though Jesus had sinless perfection. It's a reference to the exposing quality of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We read it earlier in John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. He said, if you see me, you see who? Father. Why? Because I expose him. This is the message, says John. God is light. You have to agree with his truth. Right? Walk with me. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. If you say you're fellowshipping with God while you're hiding from what he says is true, it's not fellowship. That's what he's saying, right? You can't say you know God and walk in the darkness. That darkness is related to lying, to not practicing the truth. What do we lie about? Who we are. That's what I lie about. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came to earth because I was lost in my sin. I was such a sinner. I couldn't save myself. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. When the fullness of time, Jesus came and he loved me so much that he came, not just me, but you and every person who will trust in his name. And he died for us. What does that predispose? What does that show? It shows I had no hope in me at all. None. I say, man, I, I, I'm good with God, and yet I'm presenting myself as, as in any hope in me anywhere. 
baloney. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see how that then works if you go there? You see how this is, these are not now tension statements of how does this work when I'm in the light already and then Jesus cleanses me? No, no, no. You're agreeing with God as being in the light. I have no hope. I'm so lost. And then here comes a savior. What does the savior do? He cleanses you from all sin. What does that mean? Walking in the light cannot be sinlessness. They're different things. If you walk in the light, you're agreeing with God on who you are and who he is. You're agreeing with the reality that brought Jesus Christ to earth. You are a fallen sinner with no hope. And, and, and here comes hope himself. God is a holy and perfect God, and on your best day, you don't belong anywhere near him. This is light. When the light turns on, who's banished? You, because you're darkness. Right? So I agree with God. That's why we have a very low anthropology around here. The high deity and a low us. I agree with God that you and I are dead. He's alive. I agree with God. The message of Jesus Christ is good news outside of me. And, and if you agree, it says, then I have fellowship with God because I'm agreeing with him. And when I agree, when I bow that knee, then the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Not just me, it's a plural. It cleanses us. This is the basis for our connection. Not that we don't sin. That's a crazy thought. But that we agree we have no hope in ourselves, only in Jesus. So I've got to drop this paper mache mask that I put on. It somehow tries to show you that I'm, I'm, I'm getting better in me. If this is true, that the only hope is my outside cleansing, right? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We don't cleanse Jesus, does? We have to have the blood applied. We can't manage it. The cleansing we have is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. And this is the point of fellowship with God and with other people. And John, John really wants you to see this is not sin avoidance. Why? If we say we're having no sin, present tense, right now, Christians, he's talking to you and me. We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Flows right out of agreeing with God, right? That we have no hope in ourselves. If I say, if I say I don't have sin, I deceive myself. This parallels walking in the darkness, right? So the truth not being in us is the same as walking in the darkness, which means we don't have fellowship with God. It's all associated with, with, with our view of ourselves on whether we have sin. Whether, whether we, we ourselves are, are, are okay. Without Jesus, after Jesus, whatever. We're going against God's message. The message of God is that we are sinners and we just need to agree with him, right? Because, because if we're there, we had, don't have any hope that by climbing a ladder 
or by a little bit of extra effort with the help of some power like the Holy Spirit that I'm going to somehow be better now so that the other verse doesn't apply to me having sin. But the other verse never goes away. What's the other verse again? If we say we have no sin, <laughs> there it is. I'll never, I'll never be able to say I have no sin. Here's the pathway. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Where's my cleansing going to come from? Where's my forgiveness going to come? Where's it all? It's just me confessing. You see how wild that is? It's amazing. It's a liar if you say you don't have any sin and you just agree and so you confess. That's not don't do it anymore. That's not what confession... He could have used a different word. If you repent and promise that you'll never do it again, then he'll forgive you. Doesn't say that, does it? Confess. It's the light image. If I open it up, Yes, I do lust. Yes, I do get angry. Yes, I am a sinner. Humility, right? All the time. Put down the boxing gloves. And right here, right here is a key difference from door one. You're walking down door two. Door two says, wait a minute, I'm a sinner, real sinner. And I have one hope. What is it? Is that the blood of Jesus will cover my sin. What's the action that I do? I agree with God that this is true. I confess my sins. I'm open about my imperfection. Not navel-gazingly so, but just reality. And, and, And the promise of God is this. This is John's message. I've got a promise. I've got a word from God for you that he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins. Forgiveness. Not Removal so you never do any more sin again right now on earth. But to actually forgive your sin. And to clean you. Just remarkable. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The stuff you know about, the stuff you don't know about. The stuff you have no idea what Jesus is doing, what God in Christ is doing. The ground for my confidence, the ground for my assurance, is that God is faithful to do this. This is radical. It's not based on how bad or good I'm being. It's based on, is he faithful and just? You say just, what do you mean it should be mercy? We've talked about this, but let me make sure you understand. Mercy sounds like begging. Man, I sure hope God will have mercy on me. He doesn't use that word, John does, does he? He says, God is faithful and just. How in the world could God be just to forgive me all my sins? Well, he just mentioned it. What's it called? The blood of Jesus. Jesus has already paid for your sin. God has already put the wrath against sin on Jesus. God has already handled sin. He's handled it. And now when he forgives sin, he's just the perfect blood of Jesus who died on a cross for your sin. If you'll just agree with him.
It's nothing about what I do, right? Except that I see the truth. I say this is true. I believe this. I trust this. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, the danger is not that you will sin. You will. The danger is not that you won't work on your sin enough. That's not the danger. The danger is not that you won't avoid sin enough. The danger is not that you won't strive to be holy. The danger is that you'll say you haven't sinned. That's the danger. Doesn't make you a liar. It makes him a liar. His word is not in you. This is dangerous territory. It is not dangerous for me to sin because Jesus paid for it. Oh, it's dangerous because I might think I haven't sinned. That's the problem, right? I think I haven't. Not that I think I have. You say, well, okay, I get, I get where you're doing. No, this is the point of John. This is his message. He says, this is what I heard from Jesus that I have to tell you that you have to get. And all this other stuff I'm going to tell you about how fellowship works, it comes out of this. This is the bucket. This is the only bucket we have. And it comes out of this. And you say, well, wait, 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 Dax. Wait, come on. Repentance. And said a word about repentance. You know, repentance, and I was taught repentance this way. Repentance is a U-turn, so you don't do the thing again. Have you heard that? I've heard that. That's how I heard it. So it says it's, repentance is, is you're doing something that's sinful, and then you turn around and you don't do the sinful thing again, or you haven't really repented. I can't tell you the amount of times growing up I repented over a particular sin. There I did it again. I must not have really repented. I think I'll stop coming to church. Why should I come to church? God knows I'm just not repenting. And, 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 and realize John isn't using this language at all. That should surprise you. This is the message. Confess. That's a big deal. It says, look, I'm, I'm not calling my sin good. I'm calling it bad. But here I am, Lord. I need you. This actually gets to me closer to the biblical idea of repentance, which is a change of mind. Change of mind is metanoia. It means that you change your mind. You're thinking about how it is that you have fellowship with God because we think we have fellowship with God because I turned. That's what we, we, we default to. I have fellowship with God because I turned. What's the turn? Getting away from sin. Where am I? Door number one. That's what it is. I turn away from sin. I sin no longer. So therefore, I have fellowship with God. And John's saying, well, no, 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 wait a minute. Your fellowship with God is based on you just saying, I sin. This is repentance. It looks like confession. Because you're saying, I can't. And then Jesus says, I, I have. I have done for you. This is a, this is a big marker. Repentance, then, hear me, is the act of turning from self-salvation, your fellowship is with God because you don't sin, to Jesus' salvation. I have no hope except Jesus. That is the big turn of your life. 
That's the turn that you believe in if you're at this church because that's what we believe in. We believe I have turned from me and boy, am I good enough to stand before God? And the answer is no, not with anybody's help to, to, oh, I need to die and live in Christ. Forgiven by Christ alone in union with Jesus. That's why we do things like baptism and communion. Okay. I, I have one more small point I want to make for us, and it's, it's more application. I, I want you to come on through. I don't want to just leave you two doors and saying, hey, there's the two options, you guys. I want you to come through door two. There's something for you to do today. Come through door two with me, would you? Because it's so important that this is the ground for life in community. The basis for our fellowship is our agreement on sin forgiven by Jesus. If, if you need to advance to be okay, you will pretend to advance. That's, that's sin to me, so I still love you. I'll still try and be in fellowship with you, but you eventually won't be in fellowship with me. Because <laughs> you're going to start thinking you're sin-free, or at least more sin-free than me. The message of John is this isn't true. We're sinners in our flesh. This is why the progressive sanctification teaching gets really dangerous. You're measuring yourself instead of trusting him. And John says the base of our whole relationship is trusting Jesus that he's forgiven you, and 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 and therefore we are forgiven, and we have this new connection as forgiven people. Not as not sinning people. I always loved, you know, this is the dangers. I was, I just loved this. I, I, when I was rowing in college, I always loved the days. There were training days where we'd go for a run because I was a cross-country runner in high school. So on those days, I would win by miles. Like, there goes that. Wow, Dax is really good. Look how far ahead he is. See, I always want to feed my flesh that way, not just in, in workout ways, but in spiritual ways. Oh, look how great Dax is. That, that's, that's doorway number one. So, so this is different than things that you maybe have done before. It's our changed motive. I'm not trying to hide my sin. I hate it. I hate it. And I'm forgiven. Confession and forgiveness. Confession and trust and cleansing. Faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. We need to hear it with each other. We need to remind each other. That that pushes us. This action of God on you and me. Not an action of me for God. This message we have, it's utterly freeing. If you can get out of the peer pressure. (laughs) And against every self-righteous thought in your body, which you have lots of them, so it's hard. Okay, that, and so this is the divide, right? The divide for John and how we're bringing into the text is our definition of what it means that God is light. And, and the, the divide has been, and the, the difference is, as we, what we're saying, is sinlessness is not this definition of light. Because John says, I walk in the light, but I'm still a sinner. But don't think that the divide, the dividing wall isn't sin itself. It's not whether sin is okay. Sin is not okay. We'll see it in the rest of John. Sin is horrible. 
It's horrible for you. It's horrible for me. It's horrible for us. It's always fought against. It's, it's evil and wrong. It's just, it's you. You're evil and wrong. Our problem is not this idea of whether sin is wrong or not. Like somehow we just think it's pansy-mansy to just be in sin all the time. No, I hate it. And therefore I have to always come back to the gospel that says it's what? Forgiven. Paid for. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He cleanses you from all your sin. He forgives you of everything. How I need to hear that all the time. So we fight sin. It's bad, but we sin anyway. I see how bad sin is. And then I do it. I'm crazy. I need to hear Jesus died for you. So everything in John needs to be seen through this main message, and it's right here this morning. It's seen by choosing what door you're going to go through. You get door number one, base your assurance on how you're doing with your sin. Walk in the light means avoid sin. If you do that, okay, you'll get more fellowship with God. And this is the task of the Christian life, is to decrease the, the quantifiable amount of sin that you are doing. Door two, base your assurance on the act of God. He is faithful and just to forgive your sin. Right? The need here is confession and forgiveness. We walk together in the wonder that we are forgiven every sin, not because we stop it even though we want to, but because Jesus died for us and he cleanses us. I call you fellowship family. Walk through door two. Welcome to grace. Let's pray.